Good evening, Patriots. And it's Thursday, December 29th in the year 2022. East Coast has now stepped into Friday, which we're eagerly going to look forward to. Thursdays are always long days. Lots of four shows and lots going on. It's always a busy day. Tomorrow night, I'm intending to have Dr. Lee Merritt on. It'll be a two-parter tomorrow night. Should be a nice way of bringing in the new year. It was a good interview today, over two hours. So that's pretty good. So before we begin, I want to make sure that you are taking care of your internal security and preparing yourself and doing everything you need to do to make sure your skills are up. And one of the best ways to do that is to be able to practice at home with your firearm. That's iTarget Pro. You know how passionate I am about our Constitution and especially the Second Amendment, but just as passionate about being responsible and protecting my family. I discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home and continue to improve your skills. It's called iTarget Pro, and this system is a game changer for me. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into my firearm, and start training. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. Right now, save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to itargetpro.com. With the cost of ammo through the roof, this is the perfect solution for you. That's the letter itargetpro.com, itargetpro.com. The offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you definitely need. itargetpro.com, offer code is BARDS. You will not be disappointed. It's a great piece of kit really does save on ammo too. And ammo is getting expensive, which is one of our favorite words, right? Ammo, A-M-M-O. That's one of our four-letter words. One of our other favorite four-letter words is guns, G-U-N-S. And our other four-letter word, this is a new favorite, which is lead, L-E-A-D. <laughs> All those important words to lead us into the new year, which is what we're going to need coming into this crazy, crazy world that we're in, I'll tell you. I want to go over some ideas and some thoughts tonight as we kind of head into this New Year's weekend. And um, last night or the night before, and I'll be honest with you, I can't remember which it was, we talked about righteousness and really kind of getting the fires of righteousness burning within us. And a really beautiful way of, I think, part of that is us to begin with repenting. But I think there's some steps here as we go forward, just some things to think about that are going to be very important in 2023. Obviously, righteousness to me is at the core of a lot of who we are in our faith with Jesus. It's the passion to pursue him. It's the passion to stand with God. It's the passion to stand in spite of all odds and believe in our faith. It's that fire that burns in our belly that seeks and pursues that love that Jesus presents to us. It's, it's fantastic. It's relentless. And no matter what's asked of us, it's that eagerness, that righteousness to stand up and also to stand for what's right and true. And that's the big part of this. And in those moments when we stand in righteousness, we have to make a choice. And that choice is, is a pretty fundamental one. Are we walking with the sword of the spirit or are we wielding and walking with the sword of steel? And the sword of steel is obviously metaphorical. But is it, are we going to confront things in the physical and with the physical? Are we going to physically flip tables? Or are we spiritually going to just 
go after it and, and rain down everything that's there. And those two approaches are quite different, obviously. I think we can look scripturally and see that example very clearly. And with that, as we seek that righteous stance, if we're going to be flipping tables, and sometimes flipping tables is necessary. And I use the term the sword of steel because the, the metaphor of the sword is powerful. When you draw the sword, the blade is not on safety. There's no safety on a sword once it's drawn. A pistol you can draw, you can have it fully loaded, the round chamber, you can have the hammer back, and you can still have it on safe. And until you drop that safety and until you pull that trigger, nothing happens. But with a sword, when you draw it, that blade is razor sharp. And even if you draw it and you're not careful, you're going to cut your finger or cut your finger off. And you are, you are ready, and, and in some cultures, in some older cultures, you can't put that blade back into the sheath until it draws blood. So that means that if you draw the sword and you do not have an enemy to cut, you have to cut yourself before it goes back in the sheath. And is, is maybe that sounds uneasy to some people, but think about the commitment you're talking about there. This is one of the reasons I love the whole metaphor of the sword, because when you draw the sword, it's with intention to, to destroy, to kill, or maybe to maim. But it's with an intention to use the blade to cut. That's maybe better said. And that goes as well with the sword of the Spirit. It is mightier than the sword of steel, as Christ shows us in the garden when he heals the ear. But nonetheless, it's, it's mighty. And if we take the sword of steel and we take the principle of flipping tables, just think how profound that one act is over time of Christ flipping the table in the market. It's an amazing act. It was well-timed. It was, was intentional. It was focused. It had everything there to carry that story onto legacy. It was powerful. It was a powerful action. Those are things that we, what we're looking at here when we make that choice as we stand in righteousness, if we're going to confront with that ferocity, and we're going to confront with the sword of spirit or the sword of steel. Each one is an intentional and a decisive act. Words are the power of life, carry the power of life and death. I mean, that's the sort of concept that we're dealing with here, that we need to build that fire in our belly. And I think we need a lot more of that coming in 2023. There's a lot of cautiousness to step in with that sort of intensity or the expectation that when the revolution comes or when things break down, things are broken down. The world is in chaos. We are upside down right now. And now is the time for God's children to step into that gap and to really be bold, be profound, to push the enemy back and to take the high ground and everywhere we can take it back. Next thing to think about is self-reliance and breaking from bondage. Huge, huge principle in everything we do. Breaking from bondage is everything that we are in our life, and we're, we're very privileged in this society, more than we realize. And, you know, even the, even the homeless, and I made this comment today, they don't even have any idea how privileged they are. And that's going to sound callous, and it's not. And I'm not advocating ignoring them, but I'm going to give you an example of what's going on in my town. I mentioned this in an earlier show. The city has come out now 
in crews to clean up the mess that the homeless makes. They're not evicting them. In fact, they're bringing in fresh toilets for them to use, out, out toilets. They're coming in with teams to clean up their mess. They had stacks of garbage today in the homeless camp that they've allowed to be erected near the children's skateboard park, which is just a wonderful idea. But the, obviously I'm not serious on that last comment. Um, but there was no involvement of the homeless having to clean up their own space. That's the big problem. And it really creates a problem because it, if we aren't going to be focusing and building self-reliance, which with that is also accountability, we're going to end up in the same garbage we're in and we're going to end up there a lot faster. That means also breaking from the bondage. The bondage of that which holds us in our place. Overcoming those odds. Bondages are mental as much as they are physical. I want to read you a short story here. It's pretty amazing. You may have heard this story before. It was actually published in October of 2009. There's also a YouTube video on it. And there's a TED Talk on it too. And this is a young man that in in Africa, William Kamkawamba is his name. And he had everything against him. His village did not have power. And he figured out how to make a windmill that would generate power for his house, his hut, and then became started building windmills to generate power for all the other huts. So let me read some of the story to you. Some people see lemons and make lemonade. William Kamkawamba saw wind and made a windmill. This might not seem like mighty a mighty feat, but Kamkawamba, who grew up in Masitala, Masitala, a tiny rural farming village off the grid in Malawi, was 14 years old in 2001 when he spotted a photo of a windmill. And it goes on. Uh, let me get you catch up here because I was just rereading. And he spotted that book, in the, the photo in a windmill in a U.S. textbook. Just on, on one day he was looking through things. He decided to make one, a windmill that is, hacking together a contraption from strips of PVC pipe, rusty car and bicycle parts, and blue gum trees. Though he ultimately had big designs for his creation, all he really wanted to do initially was power a small bulb in his bedroom so he could stay up and read past sunset. But one windmill has turned into three, which now generate enough electricity to light several bulbs in his family's house. Power radios and a TV charge his neighbor's cell phones and water pump and a pump and pump water for the village's fields and the household. Now age 22, this was again written in 2009, Kamkawamba wants to build windmills across Malawi and perhaps beyond. Next summer, he also plans to construct a drilling machine to bore 40-meter holes for water and pumps. His aim is to help Africans become self-sufficient and resolve their problems without reliance on foreign aid. The quote, he says, the problem we have is electricity and water problems. I want to be tackling all of them at once. 
in a country steeped with superstition and racked with crushing hardship and government corruption, Kamkawamba's story is a remarkable for its ingenuity and persistence. Kamkawamba wasn't a natural-born overachiever. Before windmills, his biggest ambition was to be a car mechanic. But when he was ejected from public school at 14 because his family couldn't afford the $80 of tuition, his life seemed destined for the planted fields and backbreaking labor of his father, an impoverished maize and tobacco grower. Even the fate fell into question when drought and severe famine struck Malawi, one of Africa's poorest nations. In 2001 and 2002, it wilted away at Kamkawamba's already thin frame and killed off neighbors and friends, which he recounts with journalist Brian Mueller in an engaging and spirited new book, The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. It's a good book, by the way. Rain and crops slowly returned the following season, but Kamkawamba still couldn't afford tuition. So with time on his hands, he began visiting a rural library where he found two textbooks, Explaining Physics and Using Energy. Those are the two books. That detailed the marvels of electricity. The cover of the latter book featured a long row of towering windmills planted in brown hills, or on brown hills, which appeared so powerful that they made the photo itself appear to be in motion. Malawi was short on many resources, but not wind. A windmill... Kamkawamba thought would solve many problems for his parents and six sisters. Not only could it generate free electricity, saving his family the economic costs and health hazards of burning kerosene, but it could also pump deep well water through the family's maize and tobacco crops, releasing them from the tyranny of weather patterns and allowing them to add a second growing season to their harvest year. With a windmill, he says, I could stay awake at night reading instead of going to bed at seven with the rest of Malawi. But more importantly, with a windmill, we'd finally release ourselves from the troubles of darkness and hunger. A windmill meant more than just power. It was freedom. He started with a small prototype. Then with help from a cousin and a friend, spent many weeks scrounging makeshift parts to construct the real thing. The plan was to attach blades to the back axle of a bicycle and generate electricity through a bike dynamo. When the wind blew the blades, the sprocket and the bike chain would spin the bike wheel, which would charge the dynamo and send a current through a wire to his house. For windmill blades, Kamkawamba slit a bathhouse PVC pipe into two, then heated the pieces over hot coals to press the curled edges flat. To bore holes into the blades, he stuck a nail through half a corn cob, heated the metal red hot, and twisted it through the blades. It took three hours to repeatedly heat the nails and bore the needed holes. He then attached the long plastic blades to a shorter metal blades of, large, of a larger tractor fan uh, found in a dump yard and stripped out the piston from the large shock absorber to serve as a windmill shaft. To secure the plastic blades to the metal ones, he used proper nuts and bolts, but standing in for washers were 16 
Carlsberg beer bottle caps collected from outside the Offenzi Boozing Center. The dynamo connected to a handcrafted transformer was sufficient to power a 12-volt battery that fed a current to a small light in his bedroom where he fashioned an outlet and push-button wall switch using the AC socket from a radio, copper wire, a plastic wall mount made from flattened PVC pipe and parts from a rubber flip-flop. When it was all done, the windmill's wingspan measured more than eight feet and sat atop a rickety tower 15 feet tall that swayed violently in strong gales. He eventually replaced the tower with a sturdier one that stands 39 feet. The windmill brought Kamkawanda instant instant local fame. Villagers who called him a pot-smoking madman when he was scrounging for parts made pilgrimages to marvel at the wind shrine in, in action. But in 2006, when the maize crop failed and drought and famine were on the horizon again, some blamed his windmill witchcraft for blowing away the rain clouds. <laughs> That's awesome. The talk only died down after the government and aid groups began disturb- distributing food. Despite Kumkawanda's accomplishments, he stood he stood was un- unable to return to school. He still was unable to return to school because of the cost, but this began to change in late 2006. An, ed- an education official who'd heard about the windmill came to visit and was amazed to learn that Kamkawamba had been out of school for five years. He arranged for Kamkawamba to attend secondary school at the government's expense and brought journalists to the farm to see the windmill. A story published in the Mal- Mal- Malawi Daily Mail caught the attention of bloggers, which in turn caught the attention of organizers from the Technology, Entertainment, and Design Conference. In 2007, Kamkawamba spoke at the TED Global Conference in Tanzania and got a standing ovation. Venture capitalists stepped forward with offers to fund his education and projects, and with money donated by them, he was able to put his cousin and several friends back into school, pay for some medical needs for his family, drill borehole for a well and water pump, and install drip irrigation in his father's fields and solar panels on his and other homes in the 60-family village. The water pump was allowed, has allowed his family to expand its crops. They've abandoned tobacco and now grow maize, beans, soybeans, potatoes, and peanuts. The windmills have also brought big lifestyle and health changes to other villages. Quote, the village has changed a lot, Kamkawamba says. Now the time that they would spend going to fetch water, they are using the time for doing other things, and also the water they are drinking now is cleaner water. The villagers have also stopped using kerosene, which means they no longer are breathing in the toxic fumes and can use the money previously slated for fuel to buy other things. Kamkwan's example has now inspired other kids in the village to pursue science, where previously they had no futures Kampkawaza says that they now see this that as if they this was put in their minds to do to do something they can they can also achieve. It has changed the way people think, he says. Kamkawamba is moving forward with his own education now and plans to teach other villages how to build windmills. He's currently a senior in the high school in the African Leadership Academy, a Pan-African prep school in Johannesburg, South Africa 
and is studying for his SATs to apply to college in the United States. A documentary about his achievements is in the works, which I believe was done. And hopefully he came out of the United States education without being a liberal transgender freak. But that's another story. But here's here's the reason I read all that, because I, th- I think it's very apropos to where we're at. This young man had everything against him. We look at hardships right now. We worry about what's coming. Our, our, we really are dealing with first world concerns at this point in time. Almost all of us. And our concerns, though our country is literally functioning as a third world nation right now by function of the number of homeless, the dis- dilapidated infrastructure, the collapsing transportation system, we still have first world food available, which is a big deal. Though We don't know how long that will last, and all reports are that food is going to be increasingly become scarce. We have to start getting back to local and being practical and being self-reliant. And that's the one thing this young man did. No one told him he couldn't do it, and he didn't believe it anyway. He believed only that he could. He saw something, and he went to achieve it. And against all odds, he wasn't an engineer. He was hardly educated by standards of what an engineer would be, and yet he taught himself how to do something that was deemed as impossible by many. So much so, as you read, that the witchcraft concerns in the village were that he literally was blowing the winds away. Kind of some craziness. These are some things that we really need to start looking at in our own world and start thinking this way. This is why I'm pushing so much on the local aspect because it's going to take local innovation like this to separate us from the bondage that we're dealing with right now. So much of what we're being shaped by are institutions which we've accepted willfully in our life. Institutions of banking, institutions of purchasing and convenience. We're dealing with the technologies that have made our life supposedly simpler, but many would argue better, more interconnected, which to a degree is true, but with that becomes another dependency and another shackle if we're not careful. A young man here looked at two books, read them, figured it out, and went from there and innovated because he freed his mind from the can't and he expanded his mind to the possible. And that's going to be a lot of what we face in 2023 is for our ability to adapt and to start focusing local. All of the strategic views of this, the high-level things that we're talking about, are quite literally not going to make much difference. And it's not that they aren't of interest to pay some attention to. But in the end of the day, we have to become as practical as this young man in building windmills, literally in your backyard. And that's metaphorical, obviously. But that's the sort of practicality that when we put our energies there, one man here has changed an entire village. One young man, 14 years old, he changed an entire village. He inspired youth to seek education. He provided freedom for the villagers to now be able to do other things rather than just sleep at 7 o'clock at night. He gave his father an opportunity to now have another ability to go further and deeper in his crops, to do crops that were more profitable. He allowed for another level of existence to occur, not because they became lazy and started to figure out what they could spend their hours doing on the internet and wasting their time, but rather they were able to apply those energies towards more productive efforts because basic things were innovated. And this isn't high-level technology. This is low-technology innovation. 
the one thing that I will tell you firsthand in working in Afghanistan for so long is to, to see the level of handy innovation that occurred at a village level was stunning at times. Against all possible odds, people would literally create things and do things that you just wouldn't think possible. I've seen guys with loads of of grain and rice on the back of these trucks, and I mean they are stacked high. If you ever look up, like, um, sometimes to go to do a search, um, image search for jingle trucks, India. And you'll see that these trucks are all painted up and they have stuff jingling from them. That's where they get the name. And you will see these stacks and stacks of bags of rice on the back of these trucks. Huge. It's like almost impossible. It's a balancing act. And then they blow a tire or they crack an axle. And what I've seen them been able to innovate and do to get over those problems they often don't have a jack. They use levers and they stick rocks under the axle and they pull the wheel off. It's just incredible. They never let things stop them. And unfortunately, in a culture where we've become very complacent and very accustomed to the easiness of things, we've accepted the bondage of convenience, the bondage of a material culture, rather than realizing the prosperity and freedom and liberty that that should deliver to us. So again, we need to get back to a self-reliance and the breaking free of that bondage. And through all of that, our, one of our biggest goals that we have to do is to expand this principle of being reborn in the body of Christ to live in the body of Christ. It's a huge issue. And as we are living this world where we're living a world of righteousness and we're, each, we're confronting the world each day with those choices between sword of spirit and sword of steel in that mightiness and that walk that we have, and we're living the example of self-reliance and breaking the bondage. It becomes the living example to the body of Christ that leads others to do the same. We become that light for them to see. And they're seeing it. They're seeing us live free. They're seeing that attitude, that presence that comes about in being in control of our world because we have accepted the embracement of, of the rebirth in Christ. It's mighty. It's powerful. And then comes the big one. And this will be the challenge for 2023. I think one of the big challenges. It's to appreciate God's time and to learn patience. God's time and to learn patience. I have talked to so many people that are just like, oh, let's go. Let's get this thing on. When's this thing going to end? What's going to be coming at us? Where, what's what's going to happen next? This is literally where we have to be calm and find the center point and breathe. We're in a war right now, a big one. And wars don't end. Wars may, The wars themselves can end very quickly, but the consequences of the war last decades. And I say that because at the end of World War II, things suddenly hit a breaking point and they just basically collapsed. They had firebombed Dresden, which was the industrial sector of Germany, so heavily that from the end of World War II in 1945, Dresden was not rebuilt. They did not complete the rebuilding of Dresden until 2004. 
Think about that. 1945 to 2004. It took that long for the rebuilding of Dresden to be completed. And I was there in Germany when they pronounced it to be rebuilt in 2004. The rebuilding to be complete. The legacy of war lasts generations. This whole thing could essentially wrap it up quickly. We might, we might see that strategic event that suddenly everything comes together and everything that people pray for, they, they get and we get a sudden arrest and all these people are rounded up and the system's reset. I'm not optimistic for that, but we'll just say it happens. And the enemy collapses and the whole new system's rolled in. And that's when everything really begins right then. Because that's only the phase of mucking out part of the evil and then becomes the phase of rebuilding. And that rebuilding has to take on the presence and the character of the people. And that's time. And that's also, most importantly, God's time. So we have to learn patience. And we're going to have to learn God's time. Because whatever this looks like, we may go through... 2023 to me is a very critical year for people to come together to really stand up and make their presence known in their communities, to be focused on what's local, not what's at strategic levels, to be focused here and in the now. And that's where there's amazing traction. And that's just not me talking. I mean, this is coming heavily from prayer that I've been in a lot lately about this. And God keeps drilling me here. Look and put your feet in the trench. Keep one foot in the kingdom and keep foot in the trench. And keep in that trench because that's where the real change is going to happen. That's like we talked about yesterday. That true action of power is the one-to-one, that loving power that we give from one-to-one with the body of Christ. That's a profound moment that we have every day, an opportunity we have every day. And we are literally going to change this world one person at a time. How do you eat an elephant like they say? You eat it one bite at a time. And right now we're looking at this massive, massive problem. And if we stay there, we are going to become defeated by the problem or we'll be disenfranchised from the real actions that are happening on the ground. So while we can respect the vision that God gives us, whatever that is, it's God's time, not our time. Our mission doesn't change. That's where our patience comes in and our dedication to mission comes in. And so to do that, we're going to have to strengthen our faith and in dig deeper into the principles of fearing not. These are critical as we move forward in 2023 because there's going to be some trying issues. Some people think that we've hit a critical point right now in the United States where people are ready for a significant shift. I don't think we've fallen far enough yet, my personal opinion. And I don't think these bad guys have it, are done yet. I think we're in for a bit of a squeeze in a way that we are not going to enjoy. And I'm, I don't say that with a longing of hope. I'm just looking at this from everything, all the moving pieces out here. Like I mentioned in the previous hour, they're not stopping in their production and building of these facilities to grow food vertically, to grow beef in labs, to try to squeeze out people that are raising cattle, to try to push for the inner, the inner, twining of artificial intelligence and humanity. They've launched these open AI initiatives, which now brings AI into the world, which is going to start controlling and taking over aspects of our lives. And people are going to jump at it. You're going to start seeing people graduate from high school. that have never written a paper. They've simply turned it over to an artificial intelligence and it's going to write it for them and they're going to graduate and they won't even know how to write. It's bad enough right now. We have kids that don't even know how to write cursive. 
They don't know how to write alone. If, unless they can type, they can't write. And many of them don't even know how to type. Now, I think back to my education. I learned to type on an IBM Selectric. I learned to write cursive. And I learned to print in, draftings, in drafting classes. So you had to learn it all. And it's part of communication. We had to speak. We had to take public speaking and debate. These skills aren't endemic to the kids now. So we are going to need to walk in a place where we are strengthening our faith and we are walking without fear. This, As things crumble around us, as they will, and this is the challenges that we will face will come about from a generation that's been neglected, a generation that's been nurtured by a state that doesn't want people to be free. Your values are going to be distorted. We're going to have new leadership rise up that's been inoculated with this transgender nonsense. It's going to be increasingly difficult to try to hold the line within scripture and faith. This isn't going to be an easy period. And while we have a very powerful connectivity and there's a growing seeking for Jesus, there's equally a, a raising up of a youth right now that is not in touch with Jesus. There's many that are and there's many that aren't. And this division has become highly accentuated. The opportunity is to go for the youth and to raise them up and to convert them over to Christ. But that's going to take an unbelievable will to endure what the state is going to be putting before us because it's not going to relinquish power easily. And even if one relinquishes power, the other one still has an objective, and the objective is all the same. I, you know, I keep saying this, but it's so important, and I mean I say this on many shows, it is so important to grasp this. Elon Musk is the most wealthy person in the world because the Defense Department made him so. And they made him so because he has things like Starlink and Neuralink. That's the bridge because I'll tell you, when I left the Department of Defense in 2015 was my final year there. Actually, 2016. I take it back, 2016. But in 2015 and 2014, I had worked with the teams that were developing these concepts of transhumanism. The technology was already in place. The debate shifted in 2014 and 2015 and still continues along this path, not from how do we integrate this into the human body, but the academic debate in 2014 and 2015 changed to how do we morally convince people to accept this transition to a new species. That was coming out of government labs. That is six to seven years ago. So you can get an idea, I say this many times, is when you see something in the public eye, the lab time on this is the lab existence of this technology is usually on the average of a minimum of 10 and usually 20 to 30 years ahead of what the public knows, sometimes as much as 50. This technology had already been accomplished back in 2012, 2013, and 2014. The big issue was how they were going to mainstream this into the public so the public would accept transhumanism as the next step, which scientists have designed and determined it was the next logical step for us. Why? Because at the end of the day, it all has to do with the same thing, money and control and power. 
those challenges are going to remain before us. They're not just going to magically wisp away in the wind. And the offerings that those are going to present, the enticements are going to be significant. You're going to hear things like, you know, be fully integrated. You can, you can shop. It's already happening, by the way. Amazon has already introduced shopping by palm reading. If you haven't seen that one. You can just wave your palm because it takes your palm print. You wave your palm on a, on a scanner in their stores, and you don't have to carry any wallet, nothing. You just wave your palm. They own your palm print like they own your rectal. rectal. <laughs> Hopefully not. Your, yeah, that's the Chinese. Sorry about that. <laughs> they, 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 eventually, they probably will. They'll own that too, but the, they will own your retinal scan. And every time you give them their, your fingerprint ID, your retinal scan, <laughs> please don't give them your rectal scan. Just don't do that. But anyway, and they own it, okay? They own it. So, that's part of how they continue to take control. Look at the human body from their perspective. And it's when you look at the earth and you see what a, what a young culture does, it's seeking to gain power. I mean, energy, right? Not power in terms of might, but to generate energy. What's the one resource almost every modernizing culture uses? It's coal because it's accessible. It's easy and it's deep. They can, they can mine it deeply. We are that replacement for coal. We are the asset. We are the raw material. And they continually mine us for everything that we are. And they will do that until they exhaust us and wear us out, unless we put our foot down. And so then the kind of the final piece of all of this, which is the the push in these thoughts that I'm talking about and going forward in 2023, is the necessity to establish accountability and shatter illusions. We have to hold ourselves to a higher standard, a higher standard of accountability, which ties us into the moral law of God. And we have to live that way. And in doing so, we have to challenge ourselves to shatter our own illusions. There's a real desire to write stories. We do this natively. We write stories to try to build pictures, to try to put things in framing that we can understand. And so I go back to this principal issue, which is breath. And in the principle of breath, we sit and we breathe and we exist with Father God, just breathing in with him and breathing out. I'm encouraging you to try this because I'm telling you when you're there, the world becomes present in the moment. We are going to have to spend more time present in the moment than waiting for that moment when Jesus is going to return or looking for the white hats to come in and save us or waiting for some cataclysmic event to happen to shake the world, none of those may happen in our lifetime. And how we are now is how we will be in eternity. How you perform now will carry into eternity. So if you are going to be a couch sitter and to sit in the now waiting, you shall be one that's still waiting a long time. We have to step into this world with a boldness and a mightiness. And as we wield that sword of the spirit, as we break the bondage, as we live within the body of Christ, as we slow ourselves down to accept that it's God's timing, not ours, as we strengthen our faith and we walk without fear, 
We demonstrate an ability to be accountable in the world and we shatter illusions just by our presence. This is the mightiness of who we can be. And in 2023, I'm challenging everyone to strive towards things like that, if not all of those things. It's so important because we are the change. We are making the decision for the future of this country, the future of humanity. Each one of us is. We're part of it. It's not separate from us. It's not being dictated. What they want us to believe is they are deciding for us. And this is where the ultimate problem comes in. Is the masters of the universe, whether they are wearing a white hat or a black hat, are determining what we are supposed to live into. And I say no. God will guide us where we need to live into, not them. And we will accomplish that by all of us striving to break through this bondage and break our illusions and our expectations, holding ourselves accountable in the present and living through and with God's moral law. We are going to be in a profound place as he will guide us and direct us where we need to be. And I don't have illusions to think that we're going to cast away all technology. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. But I know this, that we have to get back to basics. We literally have to go back before we go forward. Because the one thing that all of this keeps showing up as is whoever these supposed white hats are or black hats, and just for the sake of this conversation, we're using this. That side that's advocating for, well, we're going to free humanity from this enslavement of, the, of these evil overlords. But they have a vision that they have determined that they will give to us, and it has not included God, it hasn't included us, and there hasn't been a discussion about it. And we're simply supposed to listen and obey them. That's the God complex. And my answer is no, I won't. I'm going to listen to what Father gives. I'm going to stay focused in that trench right now. And I'm really encouraging everybody to stay as focused in your trench as possible. Keep a foot in kingdom for sure. There are things he will show and reveal as we do, and he will show and reveal those even on the ground level in the trench. And it's not like God doesn't want us to look over the horizon because he does give us the gifts to see. But in this moment, in this time, in this season, this is literally a season of war. And what we have to be reminded of is in the war, everybody has a station. And in that station right now, so many of us and most of us, in fact, need to be focused down in the ground community because we have such a big task ahead of us. It's huge. If people in our communities truly understood the magnitude of the threat that we really faced, we would literally see a world shocked and afraid. And yet we have built the courage to walk through this over the last three years in particular. Over the last six years, we've been through a gauntlet. But since 2020, they've put us through hell. And every one of us has arrived here. And if you think you're the same person as you were before, time to get a gut check because you're not. You made it through an entire process of refinement. And you've now arrived at almost another reality. And that place is amazing. God's right here with us. 
And the place is amazing because we've realized how we don't need so much of what we thought we needed. We've developed that resolve and the resilience of self-reliance. We've understood more deeply the true passion in living in the body of Christ. We've had to learn patience. We've had to expel fear. And we've had to hold ourselves accountable. All of those things build towards a righteousness in our time. That when we put it all together in the whole picture, those are truly mighty men and women of God that are emerging. And the time is now that we need to be heard. So keep that in mind as you head into 2023. Take it to prayer if you're uncomfortable with it. Or take it to prayer to get more definition. Or more refinement for Father. But I know where I sit. I know what he's put on my heart. And I know what I see ahead. And while I see challenges, what I know is there's nothing ahead of me that with God cannot be overcome. It doesn't look easy. But it sure as heck doesn't look impossible. And I wouldn't want it to be easy. Because if it was, yeah, it'd probably be boring anyway. Especially after everything we've been through. Patriots, let's pray. Father, we're blessed as we come together tonight in this fellowship. A little before the eve of the new year, but in nonetheless a reflection on what we've been through this last year and where we're going. This has been a pretty wild ride in 2022. And we're blessed to have arrived now in such a time and place as we are. We're gifted by what you've given us, the ability to see with discernment like never before, the ability to hear like we've never been able to hear your voice and your wisdom before. And for us, as we look at this world, even in times when it seems like it's impossible, we're constantly reminded that there is nothing that cannot be overcome with you. So, Father, as we step into 2023, we're stepping in boldly. We're stepping in as your children of the Most High. That's humbling. It's humbling in the greatest of ways. And we pray for that righteousness in our fire and fire within our heart. Because we know what's ahead. We know it'll challenge us. But we know that you're, we're right there and you, we know you're right there with us. So thank you. So Father... We just pray for your blessing in 2023. We pray for the blessing on everybody that's listening to this. We pray for that intimacy with you and that intimacy with Jesus as we step into 2023, that no matter where we are in our life, that that intimacy only grows more real, more visceral, and more powerful in our lives. That we're not afraid to just have that conversation with you or not hesitant to show our heart that we're courageous in our willingness to repent before you for whatever sins we have, to stand back up and be mighty again on the line. We're fearless in front of these demonic forces. We're fearless in front of Satan himself. And we have a fellowship which you've gifted us with, which has built over the last few years to be something profound and interconnected across this entire globe. So thank you. 
And may all of that continue to grow and prosper with your blessing and all the glory that we can raise to heaven. So thank you, Father. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. A wonderful time. A wonderful time. So stay focused. It's an important point. Okay. It's easy to get caught with the squirrels that run across the trail. This war is unlike any war we've known of in civilized history. It's a war that has been waged constantly and incessantly on every person on this globe in some form or another to twist the thoughts, to demoralize the soul, to break the will. And as you reflect on 2022, hold your head high because no one broke you. You're still here. You're one of the few. And that speaks volumes to who you are. It speaks volumes to your relationship through Jesus and to the Father. And it's a reminder that no weapon fashioned against you shall succeed. Those words should have true and very real meaning now and should be the most powerful inspiration as we step off into what could very well be the craziest year yet. But nothing can overcome us. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war, so walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, if I don't say it on tomorrow, but I hope to say it, and you probably won't hear from me Saturday, but... This is time to celebrate the new year and welcome in 2023 with a bang, to stand boldly at that edge and that precipice, to smile and to encourage it to come. So may we all have an amazing entry into the new year. I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless, good night, thank you, and out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body